Thank you. You may be seated. And uh, at this time, we're going to go ahead and get into our message for tonight. And if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn it to Psalm, Psalms uh, 146, Psalms 146. And uh, we're uh, normally in our prayer series, we've been going through a lot of the different prayers in the Bible, the blueprints of prayer, and uh, learning lessons from the uh, different prayers in the Bible. And uh, we... Uh, we'll probably do a couple more of those, but uh, this one is a little deviation from the series. Um, just honestly, I, I read this psalm on Sunday morning this week, and it really impacted my heart, and I kept thinking about it, and I was like, man, I really just want to preach and study this this week, and so uh, that's, what, that's what we're doing, okay? So uh, a little different, and uh, I don't normally deviate too too much from stuff, but... Uh, tonight we're going to Psalm 146. Uh, we're going to read all uh, 10 verses of this, and then we're going to walk our way down through it. Uh, the title of the message tonight is, Who Are You Trusting? Who Are You Trusting? And, and if I were to ask the question and go around, you know, we're all in church, and we'd all say, well, I'm trusting the Lord. Um, but as we go through our life, and as we go through our daily life, and uh, you know, who, who are we placing our trust in as we go through our life? And uh, that's the question we're going to ask, and uh, it'll be clear as we go through the message. Hopefully, it'll be clear as to uh, who our uh, trust should be upon. Now, we all know, I mean, obviously, you're like, okay, I don't need to listen to this message. I already know what this was going to be about. I know that, but I still want us to hear it, and I still want us to be reminded of uh, this truth. Psalm 146, verse number one says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, in that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. And let's pray one more time and we'll get into the uh, message uh, this evening. Lord, thank you for this particular psalm and uh, this passage of scripture. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this time together, this, uh, this study of this particular passage to uh, challenge and encourage us, Lord, to trust you, not just with the big things in life, but even the small things. Help us, Lord, to place our trust and faith in you, for Lord, you are really worthy. And uh, this passage goes into great detail on that. And, and Lord, we're thankful for who you are. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to trust you more and better because of this time together. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, before we get into the trusting aspect of this psalm, first in the first two verses, uh, we see an encouragement, a challenge to us to commit to praise God. So number one on your outline, if you're taking notes tonight, uh, number one, we see there uh, we need to commit to praising God, commit to praise God. And uh, we see in, ver in, in verse number one, the psalmist starts with an encouragement, um, a command uh, to praise the Lord. Now, uh, the, the word praise here is taken from the Hebrew word, or the word praise the Lord is uh, from the Hebrew word uh, hallelujah. So most of us are pretty familiar with that word, hallelujah, uh, the hallelujah chorus. Um, we sing that song, we sing that word in a lot of our hymns, uh, but a lot of people don't really totally understand what that word means, hallelujah. Um, it means to praise the Lord, hallel. Uh, means to praise, and um, or hallelujah, ja, that part is an abbreviation for God, and uh, so it together means praise the Lord. So uh, I've given you a Hebrew lesson for the night. You can go home now because you've learned something. Um, don't go home yet. Uh, hopefully, we'll learn more um, as we go through this, but um, so that's what the word hallelujah means. It means praise the Lord, and and uh, if you were to read this in uh, the Hebrew, that's what it would say, hallelujah. Um, now, the word praise means to extol in words or song, to magnify, to glorify or account of perfections or excellent works. Praise implies gratitude, uh, giving thanks. So when we praise the Lord, we're giving God thanks. It expresses thankfulness for past and present mercies. So when we praise the Lord, we're, we're thanking Him for what He's done in the past, but also what He's currently doing right now in our life. Um, praise also implies self-forgetfulness. Most of the time, we're pretty good at remembering ourselves, But when we praise the Lord, we're giving thanks to God. We're not thanking ourselves; we're thanking God, and uh, we're putting ourself on the back burner. Uh, and John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist who said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, praise does that. Uh, self becomes or goes into oblivion when we contemplate and are thankful for those blessings which have made self even possible to begin with. Praise also implies an adoring and strong recognition of God's claim upon our practical service who has showered those benefits which are the subject of our thanksgiving. Uh, now, I didn't come up with those definitions, but I read them and thought those are great to give out uh, to you uh, tonight. Now, the psalmist here, he says, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. So that's an encouragement, ye. Again, that's uh, to put it in Oklahoma English. That's praise y'all. Uh, y'all need to be praising the Lord. Okay. Uh, that's what he's saying here. Praise ye the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord, O my soul. Now he's talking to himself. First, he's talking to the group out there, and then he says, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. I want, you know, like if I were the one writing it, Eric, I want you to be praising the Lord. And then verse number two, he, he really turns it into a conversation with himself, so to speak. And he says, while I live, will I praise the Lord? 
I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. And we see, first of all, here in verse number two, that this is a personal commitment that the psalmist made here. It was a personal commitment. And of course, we all need to make uh, a personal commitment as well. When, when I say, hey, y'all need to praise the Lord, um, sometimes everybody's business is nobody's business. You know, hey, we just need help uh, after church tonight uh, over in the fellowship hall. Let's say I said that. And everybody's going, okay, well, yeah, hopefully somebody goes and helps, but, uh, you know, not me. He didn't, he didn't really actually specifically ask me to do it, so therefore I'm kind of good. Uh, we'll let somebody else do that. No, no, well, here the, the psalmist says, not only praise ye the Lord, but I am going to do that. In verse 2, there's uh, five different uh, words in that verse alone that are a personal nature. Here we go. While I, that's the first one, while I live, will I, that's the second one, praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. So five times in that verse alone, he says, I'm making this a personal commitment. In other words, I'm going to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what others do. It doesn't matter if there's a lot of people praising the Lord or if I'm the only one in my little sphere of influence that's praising the Lord, I'm going to do it. As for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. It, I'm going to do it. It doesn't really matter what others do. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's a personal choice that we must all make. And so my encouragement or my question to you tonight is, will you personally choose to praise the Lord with your life and with your lips as well? The psalmist said, while I live, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sing praises unto my God while I have any me. It's, it's personal. So it was a personal commitment, but then it was also a perpetual commitment. Uh, notice in verse 2, he says, while I live, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to sing praises unto God while I have any being. As long as there's breath in me, as long as I am alive here on this earth, you can count on it, Lord. I'm going to praise you. It doesn't matter if I'm going through a good time or not a good time. You can count on my praise. As long as I live, I'm going to praise you. Psalm 104 in verse number 33 is a verse that's very similar to this one, and it says this, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. And so here we're, we're encouraged to not just praise the Lord, uh, you know, again, when things are going well, when you get a raise, when, you know, you get your uh, child tax credit, hit your bank account, which that hit ours. Uh, this week, and uh, you know, I'm not a fan of this. I would have never voted for it, but you know, it landed in my bank account. Am I going to cry about it? Probably not. I'm going <laughs> to praise the Lord for it, <laughs> and I'm going to use it for the Lord. You see, I mean, hey, the government's going to give it to me. Uh, do I just write them a check back? I know maybe some people think I should, um, and uh, if for those who think that, go go ahead, go for it. If that's what the Lord directs you to do. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, uh, something different with it. Um, but this, uh, this commitment that, uh, that the psalmist made was not a fleeting commitment. It wasn't like, hey, I'll just, I'll just do it when things are going well financially, when things are going well with my health and 
at work and at church and with my family. Those are easy times to praise the Lord, but uh, are we willing to praise the Lord when we get bad news regarding our health or we get laid off from our job? Those are harder times to praise the Lord, but the psalmist said, hey, you can count on it, Lord. While I live, I will praise the Lord. As long as I have breath in me, as long as I have any being, I'm going to praise the Lord. And uh, that's an encouragement for us as well. Um, the psalmist resolved to praise the Lord in his life. It was something he totally decided to do, and it does not come naturally to us. Uh, because, again, we like to look at our life as if what could be better. I want it to be better. I want my health to be better. I want my finances to be more. I want, and, and we're not content, and as a result, we stop praising the Lord. It, it does not come naturally, and that's why the writer of Hebrews challenged us to offer the sacrifices of praise to God. You know, the Hebrews, uh, in chapter number 13, it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. There's that perpetual uh, commitment. Continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And uh, God is well pleased with those sacrifices. And sometimes it is a sacrifice for us to praise the Lord, to kind of get out of our, to, to, to leave our pity party. You know, the only, we're the only one that comes to that pity party anyway. And it's really not very fun. It's like the, the least fun party you could ever attend. Uh, but when we decide to, to leave that party and go to God in, 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 in thanks and in praise, uh, God is well pleased when we do that. And sometimes it is a sacrifice. We like to be in our own little pity party and woe is me and Eeyore complex. You know, the whole world's going to end. And uh, uh. Remember when we were uh, young parents? I still like to think I'm a young parent, but I guess that's really not accurate anymore. I could think that all I want, <laughs> okay. but it's not true. Well, when we were younger parents, um, we had uh, we were trying to teach Seth how to pray, and and uh, you know he was I think like three at the time, and uh, he was, you know we we tried to encourage him to be thankful in his prayer, you know, and so we said, hey, would you give would you pray for the meal and thank God for the food that we're about to eat, and so he would do this, he would he would pray, but he would pray with his eyes open. And he would be like, dear God, thank you for the food. And then he would start looking around at the table. Thank you for the fork. Thank you for the cup and for the milk. And then he'd look up and see, you know, mom. Thank you for mommy. And then he'd look out into the living room and he'd see a soccer ball. Thank you for the soccer ball. Thank you for the couch. Thank you for the carpet. And we're like... Dude, our food is getting cold. <laughs> like, can we wrap this up? <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, I appreciate how thankful you are. And uh, we were like, okay, that's good, Seth. And he'd be like, okay, in Jesus' name, amen. And uh, that's, we'll never forget that. That was, that was pretty precious. Um, but, you know, I, I thought about that, uh, you know, as a, as a Christian. You know, well, that'd be a pretty cool idea, a pretty cool um, assignment for us to all have, to go through our day and everything we see, to give God thanks for it. God, thank you for this auditorium. Thank you for, for each person that's here tonight, even Randy. Thankful for Randy. No, 
especially Randy. I'm very, I'm very thankful for Brother Randy. He is a blessing and a half to me, uh, a great friend and a brother. But boy, if you go through your life, you know, Lord, thank you for the car that I'm driving today. And thank you that we get to live here in, in, in Oklahoma. This is really a great state. Um, last night, my son, uh, Mark, and I were uh, doing an errand together, driving, uh, and it was about 7, 8 o'clock in that range, and it was just a beautiful night. We got to drive out way east by Draper, and it just was a beautiful night to be driving around, and the sun, we got to see the sun. Did you all see the sun last night? How it was, um, it was kind of like, Michaela, it was, it was about the color of your shirt. I'm not kidding. Uh, with the, uh, I think it had some of the smoke coming from the west is coming over here, and it just created the really cool sun color. I mean, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could go through life where everything we see, we just pause and give God thanks for? Um, you know, that, that would be a good assignment for us to have, wouldn't it? And uh, the psalmist said, look, while I have life, while I live, uh, while I have any being, I'm going to sing. I'm going to give praise to God. So first we see there needs to be a commitment to praise God. Commit to praise God. But then number two, and this is really the bulk of the message here, is in this thought, choose who you trust. Choose who you trust. The psalmist, after he makes this commitment to praise the Lord with his life, verse number three, he says, put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Uh, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish, but happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Uh, we do, in our day and age, and in our life, do place our trust in not just the Lord. Or at least we're all tempted to from time to time. Um, I think a big example of this was um, in our country. And again, I, we, we obviously did not want... Okay, let me back up. Uh, there was a lot of people putting a lot of emphasis on a certain candidate that did not get elected. And, uh, and maybe a little too much hope and maybe a little too much faith and trust in a man. Um, now, I do wish things would have turned out differently. But God is in control, is he not? And uh, it, I think, was an encouragement to me to do what verse number three says. Put not your trust in princes. Okay, In our modern day, in politicians, presidents. Now, I, I realize that there's, you know, some theories about what all happened there. I understand that. And uh, I, I do wish that things would have turned out differently. But again, we're instructed here to not put our trust in politicians. Okay. I'm thankful for every godly Christian who is in politics, who's trying to make a difference. I'm not trying to say any of that is not important. Uh, but ultimately, as believers... That's not where our trust needs to be in some guy who, has, who signs laws into being. Um, I want godly men in those places, but I can't put my trust there. That, that can't be where I'm trusting. Um, 
verse, uh, Psalm 118 in verse number 8 and 9 says this. Psalm 118, 8 and 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now, again, I do want to vote according to biblical principles, and those candidates who do stand by those biblical principles, I do want to vote them in, and uh, I want to pray for them. We're instructed to do that. But again, we're, not, we're never instructed to trust them, are we? In fact, we're instructed to not trust in, our, in, in man. Um, now, it says here, nor in the Son of Man, and, and uh, you might be going, well, wait a minute, isn't that a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ? Not in this case, it is not, um, because obviously He is the Lord and we are to trust in Him. So this is not a reference to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, although that is one of His titles uh, that He does mention, and we uh, talked about that recently in our uh, series in the Gospel of Mark. But this is not one of those references because it says, in whom there is no help. And of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is all the help we need. Um, what about uh, trusting in our bank account or trusting in our financial advisor or all of that? Now, again, I, I think that we're all tempted to do that from time to time, right? As long as we've got a good cushion in our bank account, then we're okay. And we trust in those riches, but we're instructed to not do that. James Marshall left his family home in New Jersey as a young man. And like so many others, this is way back in the 1800s, so many others began a migration west. Well, he con contracted malaria while living in Missouri. After that, he was advised to go further west. And in 1845, he arrived in a state called California. He worked a number of different jobs and served in the Army during the Mexican-American War in 1846. Well, when he got out, a man he had early be, earlier befriended, John Sutter, entered a partnership with Marshall to build a sawmill. Well, when they discovered that the spillway that they had constructed was too narrow to handle the amount of water needed to operate the mill, they began the process of enlarging it. Well, on the morning of January 24, 1848, as Marshall examined the channel, he found large flakes of pure, you guessed it, gold, sparking one of the greatest gold rushes in all of history. But Marshall did not profit from his discovery. The mill project failed. His mines did not produce. A vineyard he, he bought went bankrupt. And in his old age, he was reduced to abject poverty. Marshall died alone in a small shack. See, wealth is easy for us to trust. God blesses us when we begin to accumulate financial resources. We need to be on guard against them becoming idols in our hearts. Paul instructed his young protege, Timothy, to issue a warning to rich members in his church, which, by the way, I think, I think all of us would fall into that category. Okay, maybe a couple of the college students, maybe not yet. You do not probably fall in that category yet. But, but honestly... You know, we're all very wealthy when it comes to the goods that we have compared to what most people have in this world. Here's what we're charged to do. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God which giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's 1 Timothy 6.17. 
And then Proverbs 23, verse 5 says this. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. So God doesn't want us to uh, take this almighty dollar and uh, set our eyes upon it and, uh, and focus on it and trust it because the Bible says it, it flies away as an eagle toward heaven. And uh, have you not noticed that it's way easier to spend money than it is to get money or earn it? Uh, I have noticed that big time. Um, it's like, man, how did, we, how did we spend that much money? Like, how is that even humanly possible? I ask my wife sometimes. Like, I remember when we went to, when we first got here, uh, we went to Del Taco, uh, got here to Oklahoma, and, and uh, we, we have six people in our family, and... Uh, you know, I'm used to, back in California, the last time we were in California, we had much younger children, and when we would go to Del Taco, uh, we could easily do it for about 15, 18 bucks for the whole family. Well, we get here, kids are a little older, and uh, we get the bill, and it's like $30 for Del Taco, and we used coupons. <laughs> and I'm like... How, how can you do, like, we deserve a medal for this. I don't know if that's really even possible, that you can spend that much with coupons for only six people. Now, it was me that probably spent the most because I had to get a drink and my chili cheese fries and all these special things that were a little more than what everybody else got. But, I mean, I was like, how do we spend this much money? Well, the reason is, is because these riches, they made themselves wings. It's way easier to spend money than it is to earn money. And uh, we better be careful not to place our trust in our resources or our, uh, or our riches. Um, what about uh, trusting the weatherman? Now, I'm, I'm a, you know, we, we live here in Oklahoma, and, you know, they, they like, I, I've, I've found that weathermen like to spruce up their, uh, their, uh, their predictions, right? They like to... Uh, get a little a animated with it, especially David Payne, you know. You know, he takes off his jacket when he gets really excited, and, you know, when he loosens his tie, it's like, oh, boy, boy, we're in for it now, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, I do watch David Payne. I, I like him. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy. But, uh, and uh, I found out that uh, Val uh, Castor, he's a member over at uh, Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater. Uh, he and his wife are, and... Uh, so we're connected with that church. We, they host the uh, men's advance uh, that we've gone to before. So anyway, we're brothers in Christ. So you ever hear Val Castor, you're like, hey, brother. Um, so he's watching out for us. But uh, weathermen, of course, obviously, we know we can't totally trust them because they don't all, they're not always right. And they know that, uh, but they like to act like that uh, when they're on TV. But uh, what about uh, Dr. Dr. Fauci. Okay. Okay. Um, I knew that'd get a little rise out of the crowd here. Uh, yeah. I mean, he has, he's trying to, he's digging himself deep now with that uh, recent Rand Paul uh, debate that they had a couple days ago or a day ago. Anyway, 
you can't you can't trust these people. What about your doctor? Well, they have degrees. They went to school, so therefore they must be trusted. Their gospel truth. No, not always. Not always. What about my friend? Oh, my friend loves me, and they know exactly. Well, uh, Job had some friends too, but they didn't exactly have it all figured out, though, did they? See, the thing is, is when we place our faith in men, we're going to be uh, we're going to be let down. We're going to be disappointed because all of them are frail. In fact, here's what the Bible says in verse number four. Uh, verse number three, it says, "In whom there is no help." Uh, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. So you're placing your trust, or when we place our trust in these people, we're placing our trust in someone who, like us, is going to perish. Instead, we could be placing our trust in the Lord who doesn't perish. Man cannot save us, he cannot save himself, and he cannot save others. So, Let's not place our faith in them. Psalm 62 and verse number 9. Here's another verse. Surely men of low degree are vanity. And men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. So men of low degree are vanity. And men of high degree are a lie. Let's not place our faith in, in men and in people and in the things of this world, but instead let's trust in the Lord. Verse number five says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. See, we're called to trust in the Lord. Psalm 20 and verse number seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, we're going to remember the name of the Lord our God those who trust in chariots, they are brought down and fallen. But we who remember the name of the Lord, we are risen and stand upright. So as you are thinking about the future for yourself, for your health, for your finances, for your family, for our country, again, who are you going to trust? The Republican Party. Ah. Again, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of what the Republican Party stands for, but not everything. And uh, we cannot trust in those things. Our trust needs to be in the Lord. Psalm 91 and verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Are you trusting in the Lord? Or are you trusting in the Lord for your salvation, but not your situations? See, if God is worthy to be trusted for our salvation, then he's also worthy to be trusted for the situations that we find ourselves in, too. And uh, once we do trust the Lord, guess what happens? The Bible says in verse 5, happy is he. Um. It brings some joy. It brings some happiness when you're trusting in someone who is going to uh, fulfill all that we need and all we desire in our life. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Trust and obey, the Bible says, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey who? The Lord. 
A um, couple more verses. Got a lot of references tonight. Hey, that's okay, right? To have to quote the Bible in a sermon. Is that all right? Okay. I <laughs> uh, shouldn't have to apologize for that, obviously, but um, Psalm 28, verse number 7. Uh, the psalmist said, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. So, trusting in the Lord brings happiness, it brings peace, it brings rejoicing, it brings comfort. But when our faith and our trust is in men or in other things, uh, we're going to be disappointed. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. A recent memory verse that we had here at Cornerstone. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed is the man, happy is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. So choose who you're going to trust. He is the way to happiness, he is the way to help, and he is the way for hope. And then number three, if you're wondering why should I trust in God, the psalmist here gives us 11, at least 11, and we could probably make, make them, separate them and make a couple more out of these. But uh, I'm just going to give you very quickly over the next uh, five or ten minutes here these, um, these 11 reasons why we should give um, our trust and our faith to the Lord. All right, consider the character of God. And here he goes. Let's, let's, I'll move quickly through these. Verse 6, uh, we see here that he is the creator. A man can invent, but again, who gives him the wisdom to do all of that? God does. But God was able to, according to verse number 6, made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, and uh, the psalmist doesn't mention it, but we know this to be true, that he made it all in six literal 24-hour days. He spoke it into existence, and it came to pass. Why not place our faith in him? Why not trust him? And if he can do that, what can't he do? He is the creator. Dr. Fauci is not the creator. Donald Trump is not the creator. Your financial advisor is not the creator. Again, thankful for some people in our life that God puts there to help and encourage and uh, give some wisdom, but we we got to be careful not to put too much trust in people, instead making sure that our trust is ultimately in God. Uh, why? Because He's the Creator, verse 6. In verse 6, we also see that He is faithful. Verse 6, He made heaven and earth, the sea, all that therein is, and then which keepeth truth forever. There's never been, no one's ever fact-checked God and found him to be false. Now, Mark Zuckerberg may, okay, but he is not the judge of this universe. Um, God is, and God is truth. And one thing, you say, God can do anything. There, there is a couple things that God can't do. Bible says he cannot lie. It says it twice that God cannot lie. He cannot go back on his word that he has here. He's not going to he he's going to be totally trusted. So so guess what? He is the only he is the only safest bet 
there is in this universe. You say, no, like, you know, Roth IRAs, those are like a for sure bet. Not as for sure as God. Um, well, I can trust uh, this person or that. No, no one is perfect like the Lord is, and he is the only guaranteed uh, perfect person to place our faith and trust because he is going to keep his truth forever, the Bible says. So he's faithful. Um, now, I know that there's people in our lives that can be faithful, and I'm thankful for them, but all of us are all capable of falling, aren't we? Even the one who think we think they'll never fail are the ones that many times do. Judas was the one of the tw- 12 disciples that no one thought he would ever be the one to uh, do anything wrong. And yet, he betrayed the Lord. Everybody thought it was them instead, but it was Judas. Um, so be careful on those who you think, man, they would never do anything wrong. Be careful. I know I am capable of falling. Um, we're all made of flesh. We're all, we all find ourselves in verse number four, where our breath goeth forth, and one day we're going to return to his earth, and in that very day our thoughts are going to perish. Now, praise the Lord, we're not going to perish. We have everlasting life through Christ. But, um, but even in our, uh, our... God never fails, and God never... Uh, is going to go back on his word. He keeps his truth forever. Okay, he's faithful. Uh, next, he is the judge in verse number seven. He executes judgment for the oppressed. In other words, he's going to make all things right. And uh, we, in the, in the New Testament, we learn that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And we don't need to seek out justice. Now, I'm thankful for our justice system somewhat. You know, it's not always, it's not perfect. Um, but we don't need to protest and riot to see justice take place. Um, we can trust the Lord to make it all right one day, and he will. Execute his judgment for the oppressed. Uh, many times he does that here in this life, but one day in eternity he will make it all right. Okay, so he is the judge. Next, he is the provider in verse number 7. He executeth judgment for the oppressed. The Bible says he giveth food for the hungry. And this is, by, by the way, not just physical food, but also spiritual food. And he provides for us, and he takes care of us. Um, I can't take care of everybody. I, I wish I could, but I, I just can't make sure that everybody is doing just right. But God is able to take care of each and every one of us. And he provides for us as a loving Heavenly Father. So again, why wouldn't we make sure that he is the one we're trusting and uh, give, placing our faith in? And in Matthew chapter number 6, you remember um, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is saying, hey, don't, don't think, take thought for you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about those, but instead seek those things which um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and and uh, my righteousness and God's righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. What he's saying there is stop worrying about all these things and start trusting me because I'm going to take care of you. And he says in verse 7, he giveth food to the hungry. 
And then uh, verse, the last part of verse 7, the Lord looseth the prisoners. He gives freedom. And uh, this is a sermon in itself. He, lo- he looseth the prisoners, um, and uh, he grants freedom, spiritually speaking, from the bondage of sin. And uh, we could go into that for uh, a long time and hoot and holler, holler about it, and it would be worth doing. But for tonight, just know that he does give freedom. No one else can grant freedom like that. Uh, Next, he is the ultimate healer in verse number 8. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. Uh, Anytime someone is healed, it is because of the Lord. Um, I'm thankful for medicine and for, you know, essential oils and other things. I'm thankful for all those things and, and doctors. But ultimately, God is the one that created the body and heals whenever there's an ailment. Uh, and sometimes he chooses not to heal. Sometimes he chooses to heal. But whenever the eyes of the blind are opened, um, physically and even spiritually, it's the Lord who does the healing. Uh, letter G, I think, is we're on. We're on letter G. He also loves the righteous. Um, in verse number 8, it says, The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. I'm sorry, is that... Um, H, I must be all mixed up. There's one that's, he's the uplifter. Is that right? Is that the next one? Oh, there it is. I just didn't have it in my notes. He's the uplifter, verse number, um, verse number eight. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. He's the one that lifts our spirit when we are discouraged and we're sad, when we're grieving, when we're going through a difficult time. The Lord is the one that lifts us up. Uh, yes, he sometimes uses people to do so, but ultimately it's the Lord that raiseth them that are bowed down. And then the Lord loveth the righteous. That's letter whatever it is next. There we go. Okay. I'm all, my notes are all off now, so uh, I'm not going to do any letters. It'll be just the next letter. Okay. Um, but the Lord loveth the righteous, and uh, he, because he is righteous, he does uh care for those who are trying to do right and are trying to live according to God's will and way. Uh, Next, letter next, uh, he is the protector. Verse number nine, the the Lord preserveth the strangers. Uh, He takes care of and protects those who are are strangers. And and he he calls us strangers and pilgrims. And he calls us that, and Peter does in his epistle. And uh, he protects us, and keeps us. Uh, verse number 9 tells us he also is the reliever. Um, the, he relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Those who are widows, and, and we have several in our church, uh, he relieves the burden that they have, and he is, he is, I don't know exactly how he does it, but uh, he is able to relieve the pain that they have in their hearts and in their lives, and then those who are fatherless as well. He's able to be the reliever for them. Again, why, it, he does all these things. Why wouldn't we want to place our trust in him? See, um, that's what the psalmist is trying to say is like, you can choose to trust in princes and the son of man, but there's no help in them. But I'm telling you, when you place your faith in God, <laughs> there is, there's a lot of reasons to do so because he helps Verse number 10, the last one we find is that he rules and reigns. 
The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. And then here's one more encouragement to praise ye the Lord. So we are instructed and, and challenged to trust the Lord. And we've given, he's given us several different, I, I think 11 different reasons, uh, characteristics of God that should cause us to uh, trust him instead of our finances, our intellect, our, remember we're told to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. A lot of times we are tempted to trust ourselves because I've been there before. I I'll never forget when uh, my wife and I were um, working in California. We did a staff uh, door knocking on Wednesday afternoons. And uh, I would go out with the staff. They would, they would drive the bus out or, or a van. It was like a shuttle, I guess a shuttle bus. And uh, we were going out closer to our house. And I thought, hey, I'll have my wife pick me up there. And then we won't have to, uh, we can go out to eat right there uh, before the evening service. We did this on Wednesday afternoons. So uh, we got off one of the exits, and I was paying attention. I thought I was. And I, I knew what, which exit we got off on. And so I, after we're done, I call her up, and I say, hey, can you just come pick me up? I'm, we got off at, at this exit. Uh, I think it was like 4th Street, and, uh, or 17th Street is what I, what I said. And so she gets off at 17th, and, and I'm, I'm talking to her, and I'm getting kind of frustrated with her. I'm like, Julie, it's not that hard. Get off at 17th Street and just find me. I'm on the corner. She's like, Eric, I'm looking for you. I said, we got off on 17th Street. Where are you? I'm on 17th Street. Okay, what are, what are you seeing around you? Like, I'm talking to her like a little kid, you know. Like, she doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> and, uh, well, come to find out, we, weren't, we didn't get off on 17th Street. Off. We got off at 4th Street. Exit. And so once I realized that, I was like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing. Here's what was happening is I was trusting in myself, and I was leaning into my own understanding, and it was off. And I know maybe you've never been wrong, okay? And as far as I can remember, that's the only time I've ever been wrong in my life. No, it's not. But that's why we should not trust ourselves, because we can be deceived. Our, our minds can deceive us. We think we know what's right. And that's a silly example. And I really had to apologize to my wife. And I was like, Julie, I'm sorry. I was wrong. It was, uh, I, I felt this big when I got in that car. And she was, because I, I talked, I was not very kind to her when I was talking to her. I mean, I wasn't being horrible, but I mean, I was like, Julie, where are you? It's not that difficult like to find me. I'm right here. I'm not short. You should be able to find me. And anyway, um, that's, the, that's the thing. Um, a quick, uh, quick illustration will end here. I've got other things I could say, but uh, we'll, we'll just end with this, uh, a story here. This is a, a pastor who, who wrote a book. Um, and uh, he said, one day, while my son Zach and I were out in the country, climbing around in some cliffs, he said, I heard a voice from above me yell, hey, dad, catch me. I turned around to see Zach joyfully jumping off a rock straight at me. He had jumped and then yelled, hey, dad. 
And I became an instant circus act catching him. We both fell to the ground, and for a moment after I caught him, I could hardly talk. When I found my voice again, I gasped in aspiration, Zach, can you give me one good reason why you did that? He responded with remarkable calmness. Sure, because you're my dad. His whole assurance was based on the fact that his father, at least he thought his father was trustworthy. (laughs) They fell to the ground, so I'm not sure how trustworthy he was in that moment. And uh, he said he could live life to the hilt because I could be trusted. Isn't this even more true for a Christian? Uh, God will be 100% guarantee, not based on my word, but based on his word, that he can be trusted. So let's trust him. And when we do, again, verse number five, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. We're going to be a lot more happy if we trust the Lord than if we're worrying about everything and we're uh, trying to fret about everything and figure everything out. Just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I know it's a trite saying and we hear it all the time in in church and uh, as Christians, but it's really true. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Why? Because of those 11 reasons uh, that we mentioned. Well, let's, uh, let's pray, and then uh, we'll mention some prayer requests very quickly. I know I kind of ran a little late tonight, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll just take a couple moments for that. Lord, thank you for this, uh, this passage and for the time we've had together tonight uh, to be encouraged, Lord, to praise you. Um, while we have our being, and then also then to trust you um, because you are the great creator, you are faithful, and all the other reasons we, uh, we, we looked at tonight. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And uh, God, we can, we can place our faith in you for our salvation and for all the different situations we find ourselves in as well. Help us, Lord, to do so. Help us, Lord, to not fret and panic and worry and Um, get ulcers and uh, Lord I pray that we would just be happy uh, trusters of you I pray these things in Christ's name amen I hope that was